What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It presents Marvel Pair Up, a show where we take the Disney Plus Marvel shows every week and pair it up nicely with some sort of history of cinema, be it sitcoms, buddy cop comedies, or in this case, the Marvel What If series and the history of Marvel's own movies outside of the MCU. Everything, more or less, that they did to get them where they are today and how that has influenced everything else. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Jamie Giraffe. Hello. And Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And we are here talking about episode six of the What If series, another anticipated episode based on the trailers that everyone saw. This is What If Killmonger Saves Iron Man. Easily one of the coolest ideas they had. I remember in the trailer, everyone freaked out when he threw that missile to the side. It's just great to have that character and Michael B. Jordan back. So here it is, the epicenter of the MCU, the inciting incident of everything we know. The first movie, chronologically, of course, it's Captain America and Captain Marvel. But us as the audience, this was our first intro to it. And now it's all changed. What did you guys think of this episode? You know, it was good. Uh, <laughs> it's like I didn't love it, but I but I love Killmonger, and I loved getting to like follow him for a story. And he's even hot as a cartoon. I've been saying it all day, uh, so I enjoyed like that aspect. Like you know, it was fun. It's just like all of them. It's like I, n- not one episode has yet to be like, oh my god, I can't believe what I'm watching. But I, I enjoyed it. Uh. I- two things i took away from this episode one is that no matter where you how he gets there killmonger is going to kill Monger. like he is going to be him no matter what he is like yeah i might might take the left way to get there but i'm still going to be like nope uh my oppressors impress me and i'm gonna f them all up the other thing that i (laughs) i noticed is that i need marvel to start giving me warnings when they're just going to throw some t'challa stuff at me uh and then blatantly like murder T'Challa in the episode and then have a funeral and then have like his mom in the middle of a battle crying for T'Challa because I was not prepared for that and my eyes did not appreciate that so you need to you need to give me a little bit more warning we're going to keep getting Chadwick Boseman I thought I thought we were done for episode two and they're like here's some more here's a little bit more we're not done with you stop it. yeah I also was very surprised by that because I agree with you we had we we just keep opening this wound <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of interesting things in this episode, aside from that surprise. One, Tony definitely should have kept Obadiah's sound gun thing, because clearly that was the solution to every problem we've ever had. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a terrifying weapon to see in animated form. And just I think what I liked most about this, though, was the theme that we started on of the heroes are not born, they're forged. And we see, Terrence, to your point, that some of these characters' philosophies started before these inciting incidents. Killmonger is Killmonger because of what happened to him before the choices that were made in this episode that changed our universe. He still had the agency to get to Wakanda, to take over, to save all of the other people that he didn't think Wakanda was helping. Tony uses the exact same line he has in Iron Man of, I saw men and women die by weapons I created. 
But unlike in the movie we know where he has a change of heart and sees the error of his ways and wants to make the Iron Man suit and we got to make it bigger, harder, faster and go after him. Whoa. (laughs) That was my moment where I was like, oh, we're like... It makes sense because that life-threatening moment is what made him stop living in excess to to the way that he was so if that doesn't happen like if he's easily easily saved then he doesn't have that 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 wherewithal of like i felt my life was almost gone and so he didn't have the reason to be like uh let's get rid of weapons let's do this he's like nope i'm going big because that's the way that he was before all of that you don't have yinseng helping him out in the cave and saying all the things to him that change his worldview you don't see those sacrifices. You don't see any of that. So without it, he's just like, we got to go kill him. And I liked then seeing that trajectory of, well, now we're going to make these drones and this anime reference that he really likes anime. And we're going to make what looks very much like the Iron Man 2 whiplash drone, but with a normal head seemingly yeah <laughs> and seemingly some vibranium and the jericho missile instead of the repulsor technology as the center of it obadiah's reveal that he's bad and killmonger just going through the motions was so great i do wish and i think to jamie's point the reason we're never going to have the like wow what am i watching is still because of this runtime because in our first episode we had the moment of like well one choice changes everything. And I'm like, but this isn't, this and the zombie episode aren't really like choices that are different. We're just, it's all different. I don't really know what Killmonger didn't decide to do or what Iron Man didn't decide. Was he always infiltrating the 10 rings in the MCU? Is like, I was kind of just like, oh, I liked it when it was, we knew what the difference was. Like when we did Captain Carter, they very much were like, well, she stayed down here this time. This right. is what would have made the TVA show up if Kang was alive. Yeah, they never sort actually, of... they've never gone back to that because that was a device they used in the very first episode. Uh, Jeffrey Wright says, like, and this is the moment it, and we go left. We never get a moment like that again. In the you sort of, of do in T'Challa Star-Lord because he again is like, That's this true. time Yondu sends people to do it instead of him doing it himself. But I was like, right. oh, I want to know and they kind of did it with the zombie one where they're like, but in this world, she got sick with a zombie virus. And I was like, yeah. I guess that's, Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of other places, but I kind of wanted to see that because that builds, it fleshes out the world a bit in a weird way where now I'm like, well, what was Killmonger doing during Iron Man 1? Where were all of these other, like, this? it's opening up very interesting it, questions. It definitely did open up other windows because I was sitting there like, okay, yeah, he would be of this age. Where was he then? Because he was clearly in the military and he that's how he marked everybody by, by being like that he's killed. So he clearly was out there. Can we see that? <laughs> also did not know we were gonna... I was gonna say, did do, do, do he not kill a lot of people between this these eight years? Because he did look much different, right? <laughs> he did all of that before. Like in the last eight years, he was kind of taking a, a respite. Like, you know what? Yeah. I've killed enough. And you know, know really good i don't really want to work it out there's only so much space they really have to start mattering did not think we were going to see himself mutilate himself on a disney plus show though didn't 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 know that was going to come 
but these you know, shows yeah, have been getting darker and darker and i feel like disney plus is really on that edge like <laughs> yeah it's, it's animated so it doesn't matter it's fine and i i dig that i just i i've said it every week now where i, I just want that extra 30 minutes and for all i know season two but again pepper and shuri are teaming up we're gonna go stop him before we nuke wakanda off the map this is the episode i want to watch yeah like, that whole ending. all of these have gotten to this point where i'm like what no this is what i was like don't stop there and it was crazy this is the first time because normally i don't look at it but this is the first time i looked at the runtime before i started it was like 33 minutes oh i already know that i'm going to be pissed on this one and i was like nope this is not going to go well and now 15 minutes he makes the the turn although we all sort of it's come on he's going to make that turn I'm like oh there this is going way too fast and we're not going to get it in with shuri and pepper having that moment at the end is like oh that's the show that's the yeah, that's my, my biggest issue with all of these episodes is i'm like i just want this pacing to be a little slow i want a movie all of these stories are like i want a movie <laughs> yeah or a 45 minute that, episode that like season two is just going to be like we're going to get the follow-ups the so. back in the follow-ups yeah. to all of those i guess but then are we just going to do these universes forever because a part of me is then like but I want to see, but then like, I want Shang-Chi episodes and Eternals episodes and Spider-Man yeah, episodes. Every episode. I think that they're going to do, I want, I like, I think some of them will get continuations, but not all of them. It's a, it's a real, they're going to do phase four stuff. It's a real sci-fi trope sometimes too, that like they'll pick and choose which episodes they continue on and the rest like, we can go do whatever the hell else we want to, because we don't have to follow that formula. But so, yeah, I, I can easily see them saying, we'll pick, we'll pick three or four of them that, out of the ones here this year there are some that definitely have a, a cliffhanger that are like we could continue on some of those are more, a little bit more obvious like we'll continue on through but i'll tell you we are once again having killmonger just saying very good points when he stabs oh. tony and he's like what's the difference between you and me i thought we were just kids trying to do right by our dads or oh, the difference between you and me is that you can't see the difference between you and me and you're just like i had to, I had to pause that and i was like that man, that man says some great things. There are a lot of times where Killmonger, I agree with 100% with what you it's say. It's like a so. fixed point in history is Killmonger just pointing out systemic racism problems. And you're like, ooh, every when time. He's, when he's killing Rhodey and he's like, why are you wearing the clothes of the oppressor? I'm like, oh my God, didn't you have a point, sir? <laughs> yeah, he, he rocked both of them in that <laughs> sequence. That was, that was intense. That was a very intense sequence. Yeah. Still a lot of good animation, a lot of good moments, but yeah, we just haven't really had that hit yet. That I it might not come in this show. Cuz there's a lot the, of speculation that the team up is coming, but I think the medium is still the issue for for a lot of people that the medium may not allow for that hit to happen. Um which is weird cuz I've had some animated stuff that does knock me off of my feet, but so far this has not been in that that realm. I think it's just timing. I think they just don't have the space for that climactic hit. We keep ending at the climax. <laughs> we just keep ending right when I'm like, Consistently. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is clearly what this show's structure is. The structure is to be like, and then hit them at the end. Right. We might even never want, come back to this. Leave them wanting more and we will never give them anything. <laughs> But who knows? I know that mid-season trailer dropped and people are saying that it's like Thor and evil Doctor Strange and the zombies. And 
maybe it's all going to connect and I'm going to sit here and eat crow in a few weeks and be like, oh, no, it all connected, it all worked out. <laughs> I got to see what was going on with zombie Thanos and Ego and that giant tentacle monster and the end of this one and the end of Hank Pym. And I like, sure, that would be great. We've got four left. I'm yeah. looking forward to them. I do like the show, but we only got here in an episode that is dealing with some pretty heavy themes from a movie that was dealing with pretty heavy themes. And we got here because of a movie, a series, a franchise, a comic book that started dealing with heavy themes pretty early on. And I am of course talking about the X-Men franchise. That is where we are now. We have gone through the serial Captain America, the box office bombs, all of the TV, Spider-Man, in other countries and we are back. We've talked about Blade, which does not get enough credit for doing what it did. So let's talk about a movie that gets so much credit that it does deserve. Because if there's one thing that we've seen as superhero fans in movies, it is watching Robert Downey Jr. do this for however many movies and watching Hugh Jackman do this for 13 movies, 12 movies. I don't think, I think there's one he's not in. Guys, let's talk about X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of big, intense history here. 20th Century Fox got the rights in 1994 when, you know, Marvel was just giving, just getting rid of all of you, it. you take one and you take one. <laughs> After numerous script attempts where there was going to be a Wolverine and Storm movie, just a Wolverine movie, different teams, finally Brian Singer, who is a problematic person. I know. <laughs> which makes this whole franchise hard to talk about, uh, created one of the most quintessential X-Men superhero movies in the year 2000. Jamie, what, what did you first think when you saw the X-Men movie? I mean, it was my introduction to Marvel. For I was 10 and I saw it in theaters I, and that was it. I was so obsessed with Anna Paquin. And um, it was, the, the sequel was a bigger deal um, like I was in seventh grade, I think, and I saw it like three times in theaters. And I just, uh, for you know, a seventh grader, you can only go so many times. Your mom will drive you to the movies. Um, and uh, but the first movie, I just, I, I watched it recently, and I just, I think it's still so great. I mean, we've come a long way in a lot of ways, but it, it for being a twenty-one-year-old movie, I fucking love it. Yeah, twenty-one-year-old um... movie. It sounds wild. You said 20, Jesus, that is. Oh, movies made in the 80s are 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how time works. I don't like it. Um, yeah, I remember seeing this film. I, I, I grew up in an age where that 90s X-Men cartoon was, was the shit. And so I was so amped for this movie. Like, I was, I was ready. Uh, this came out my my first year, my second year of, of, of college, I believe. And it was, it was massive. It was, it was insane. And what I visibly remember is I thought I might've been in the wrong theater because this movie opened in like a concentration camp. And I was like, what, hold, are they doing this for a, for a comic book movie? I didn't think that they had the, <laughs> the balls to, to, to do, to open up a movie like that. And, and it fit and it worked. And for that point, yes. It's aged in some spots. It still looks good. It's just, there's some things that are just like, oh, it's a little hokey or like the way that 
some things are shot like effects wise so the snow stuff of Sabretooth looks a little weird but overall it still holds up well because it takes itself so seriously and it, I always feel like X-Men 1 feels very much like a issue zero of a comic book where it's like not a lot of action happens in that but it sort of sets up all the pieces so that when X-Men 2 comes in it just goes ham it just it's insane like that well those two movies together those two movies together i i will put up against most any other one two combo that actually exists in films because that opening sequence of nightcrawler and that x-men 2 is just chef's kiss stupid (laughs) how good that is you know i'm thinking about all the one twos and i i'm like yeah like you're totally right i'm like nothing is coming to mind that i'm that i can think of the only one that I would put on level that was before. I would put like the term the Terminator one and two because they are so different. Oh, I, I would sure. probably I put on that. You guys are forgetting Shrek one and two. <laughs> thinking sure. comic book movies. <laughs> oh yes, if you're thinking comic book movies, yeah, I, I, I would. Just... Comic book movies. There are a lot of <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I say comic book movies. Yeah, I, I think those are probably one of the only two because I don't hold Spider Man one up as as much as other people do, but Spider Man two was like fantastic. One. Yeah, I mean, the movies are incredible. I remember this was the first summer I went to a movie. Well, it wasn't the first summer I went to a movie with my dad, but I went to the movie with my dad and my uncle, who were big X-Men fans. And we walked out, and we were all so jazzed. And I'll never forget my dad being like, well, they don't need to ever make an original movie again. They figured out the superhero movie. And much to his non-filmmaking prescription, we have not opened a summer without a superhero movie at the start of May until COVID. Yeah. Only to then release more superhero <laughs> content in a year. Uh, yeah. The movie was incredible. You're right. I still would start the movie as a kid on VHS and be like, oh, I threw, which is, it's a Holocaust movie in the beginning and it's scary. Like we, we talked on an earlier episode about these horror beats that we don't really get in the MCU. And, and this isn't really a horror beat, it's a drama beat, but this is the kind of like weird texture that we don't really see anymore. Characters with this kind of background, this intense, they're dragging him away and it pulls the fence chain. And I can't think of any moment in a Marvel Cinematic Universe or even a DC Extended Universe movie that gets to that level of like terror in a way. Ethos or pain or terror, yeah. Uh, especially not the the films. I feel like you might get that a little bit in some of the Netflix Marvels, like Punisher might get something to that effect. Luke Cage maybe, but yeah, you don't see that in any of the films because they, I don't for whatever reason. But this was a movie like the comic book that wore its themes and its characters on its sleeve. Everything is about marginalized communities. We have characters whose powers represent transmitted diseases we the the tragedy of rogue and charles and magneto and the opening of the movie of just magneto's whole like we are the future charles not them still resonates so hard like these characters i think there's so much conversation now of like well the comic books have never been political but the x-men is oh it's right there doing the political things it is, oh, yeah, it I was doing them all the I time. Recite the, I recite the why do you ask questions for which you already know the answers line all the time. <laughs> like, it's fantastic. There's so much great stuff in this. I mean, we're already seeing visual parallels in these movies. The the He has all the guns. I can't stop them all. That kind of comes back in WandaVision when she does it to everybody else. And you're just like, 
this was the blueprint for everything but you're right if this was the blueprint then x2 was the temple that it built because that movie is is is, it might be perfect it might be a perfect superhero movie yeah it's really well done like that school that school raid is still one of the great i was like this is just fantastic just seeing just seeing Hugh Jackman running through that school leaping and stabbing oh this is this is nuts I'm all into all of this it had humor it had stuff and even had left ended on the cliffhanger now we won't talk about how they answer the cliffhanger but it ends on the cliffhanger because X-Men 2 uh chose to and then X-Men 3 comes around and just one of the most frustrating cliffhangers as a big Phoenix fan seeing that bird under the water yeah. Then never see that bird. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw people who were like, you don't see the bird under the water. And I'm like, you go back and you watch uh, X-Men 2. You 100% did. Yeah. <laughs> it is right there. And then Brett Ratner had to show up. It was X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Yeah. Uh, it was also the- a problematic person. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they have, like Matthew Vaughn's the only one you look at, but ah. Oh. He'll do. That works. Sweet. But um, uh, and Mangold, he hasn't. That's true. Until you get down there, yeah. It, it's it's weird though, because as this series is going along, how how good one and two are, it becomes a very spotty mess after those first two films. And I, and there I, are some great ones in there. It's just you know you never know what you're gonna get. You don't. It becomes a crapshoot after that. Like I I adore First Class. Like I really love, love First it. Class. I love um, it. And some of that is too because it takes itself serious. Like you have the whole thing with with uh, with Magneto going on his quest to find like with the coin and all. Like it becomes like the first half of that film is like a Bond movie with him just gallivanting around. So I want all of this. Uh, Kevin Bacon doing his greatness. I, I I love that movie, but also Wolverine. But then there's some spotty ones like Origins. I could do without. Origins might be worse than The Last Stand. Oh, I think so. I think yeah. so. It might be worse. It's a, it's a very bad movie. At least, at least Last Stand is like filled with characters you love and like people playing them. So at least like you have that going for it where it's like, oh, there's my people on screen. But Origins is just boring and bad. <laughs> my, my favorite part about Origins is that they go through all this stuff. They create Three Mile Island. And you're sort of set to believe that where they are is like isolated. And then there's this helicopter shot that's like, oh no, people people cross that bridge. They can just come over here whenever. Well, this defeats the entire movie. How are they not just attacking them right away? Yeah. But yeah, X X three X three might be worse because the expectation was so high. But I think Origins is just a worsely made movie. Yeah. Of course, it was one of the ones that was littered with. Oh, you don't know what you're seeing. There was a giant leak, and the claws Massive aren't done, leak. and you can see yeah. the wires. But you know, we didn't fix those claws in the final cut. Those are nope, some still rough looked, CGI. Still looked bad. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I, I haven't watched this in theaters, but the follow-up Wolverine wasn't so bad, right? I actually I like the Wolverine. I actually like, yeah, I like the Wolverine. Um, so both both the James films, James Mangold films, I actually, I, I, I enjoy. The Wolverine's good. Um, has some great action sequences. That train sequence is really well done. I, I, I just think it, the back end of that gets a little wonky, uh, but it's still really, really good. So yeah, two out of the three Wolverine films are, are really well done. But, but everybody but, you know, points to that origins like hold on it's well, and, worse than the second one is good so yes. it's yeah. more memorable. yeah yeah well and, and origins was so bad that we gave up on 
the spinoff game, the X Origins Magneto that became first class. Right, it morphed into that, yeah. That was then going to lead into Matthew Vaughn's second, like, new Wolverine movie. And his Days of Futures Past would have had two actors playing Wolverine. Of course, they said no. They wanted to get right to it. But Brack brought back Brian Singer. Yeah. Say that five times fast. Don't. <laughs> You'll summon him by accident. That will be bad for everybody. Um, and then we got Days of Futures Past, which I love. It's another one that I just think is great. And then it's a convoluted mess. Then we yeah. can't get this timeline right. But the crazy part about these movies is like every, for every time that it's bad, it's so good that it innovates not just the entertain the superhero genre, but the entire industry. And what I mean by that is like X Men and X Two very much is the like the Kang of our Marvel movies, where it's like they're just walking a path that X Two made for them. We see all of the ways that that kind of comes in. We're focusing on main characters. Obviously, Kevin Feige was part of those movies too, and we've been building that forever, but these are deep themes that we proved worked in a general audience movie without the X-Men dealing with some of the subject matter they're dealing with. I don't think you even have a character like Killmonger on screen. That really set up the tentpole for what Black Panther would eventually say and what even this What If episode says, if not quickly, but we saw that audiences will gravitate to these interesting villains that have a good point about society. Magneto, you know, the longer and longer we get with that character, the more we just go, yeah, that guy's right. Yeah. Maybe the Reagan administration just wasn't super good. Uh, the man's making points. Half the time, that's all we're doing with Killmonger now. But even outside of that, we're seeing spinoffs that ended up working. R-rated movies with Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and Logan. Like Every risk that the superhero genre takes past blade is in the x-men movies and granted we wouldn't have gotten anywhere without blade and without batman 89 and without superman but when you start kind of building up the building blocks that x-men took something like logan would have never been made if we hadn't built a decade of goodwill and ironically bad will (laughs) yeah it's crazy too that this is i mean with, with as many bad ones as there are because x-men is ingrained in a lot of people's dna people keep coming back it's a weird thing they're like all right well let's see what this is i'll give you another chance and they keep giving chance after chance some of that's because x-men one and x-men two hit so hard for so many people that they're like all right eventually this has to get back on on track but all, a lot of it is because those themes have resonated at some point in time throughout everybody's life there's something that resonates thematically with x-men to their own personal life where they're like yeah i feel that so I, I i'll stick with this well it's one of the only properties you know when spider-man rebooted we all went it's too soon but the second marvel was like we have x-men back everyone was like give it to us now do it now <laughs> you know there's a, all those characters it's different it's not just one dude whose uncle dies it's like you have so many people you can focus on but- next it's crazy because it was like they got the rights while Dark Phoenix was like about to be released and they're like, I don't care. Screw that movie. Do it now. And it just, oh. normally they'll be like, let's wait a bit. They're like, no, no. Bring it to me now. I mean, New Mutants barely. Well, that was also a COVID problem, but that 
which I like new mutants. I, I didn't think like mutants. I mean, I think I that's... Dark Phoenix with every fiber of my being. I despise that movie. Well, that's because it's a very bad film. I think, I think that's also what's kind of cool about this X-Men franchise. Like, yeah, Deadpool was an R-rated, like, action comedy. And then the New Mutants becomes just, like, the the 16 Candles or, like, Breakfast well, Club type of horror yeah, it, comedy. And so, oh, they're doing something different, too. And they can kind of play with that because they have so many characters in the X-Men universe. They started doing the thing that the MCU does, where each movie is a different genre. And I think they sort of started trying to do that even before those. Like, X-Men Origins for how not good it is tried to be like a a mystery and first class is this like weird spy homage Mm -hmm. movie and you know the Wolverine is almost a war movie like it's you you start seeing how they blend the genres in a way that really only 20th Century Fox back when they were a studio would do this is a studio that made its foundation on hard R sci-fi action movies, if it's Die Hard or Predator or Alien, they were always playing in this world. And then they got to do it with superheroes. And I think that's why you kind of get a more thematically deep franchise than you kind of do with some of some, not all, some entries in the MCU. I think, you know, at their worst, it's a fun action movie. At yeah. the X-Men's worst, it's an unwatchable mess. <laughs> but Dark Phoenix, though, what a that I was so ashamed that I was this going to be the swan song of the series until New Mutants sort of came out. I keep going back and forth with which one I dislike more between Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, and I feel like it's probably Dark Phoenix. Although I like that last action sequence for Dark Phoenix, but there's not a little because Apocalypse is such a great character, and no no fault to Oscar that character looked like hot mess and was just played like hot mess in that entire movie. And it's like, I don't know what this movie is trying to do. And then to come, I think the two of them together end up being, while X-Men 1 and X-Men 2 are two one of the best pairings ever, Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix might be some of the worst two, two film things that I've ever seen in superhero history. I don't really mind Apocalypse. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's good, but like I, I will watch those three. Like if I finish Days of Future Past, I'm like, okay, I'll put on Apocalypse. Uh, I don't, I really don't mind it. Dark Phoenix boils my blood. And I don't know if we've talked about like the, the Simon Kimberg of it all where he wrote Last Stand um, and then he botched it. And then they were like, oh, who should write and direct Dark Phoenix? How about let's give Simon Kinberg another chance? Because that's what white men get to do in Hollywood. They just keep getting second chances. And he seems like actually, like he's another one that, like, I've seen him give a talk. He seems like a nice person, but fuck him so hard because he ruined it twice. Yeah, he gets a lot. It, it's weird because, I mean, he's been a part of this franchise for a, a bit because he also wrote Future Past and wrote Apocalypse. So it's a weird thing that like, yes, because he's had one good one with the Days of Future Past, like, cool, let's keep going back to the well with him. When clearly it's not necessarily just him that is making this stuff work. And when he is left to his own devices, we see how that turns out. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You're right, Jamie. It's, it's baffling that they let the same guy make the same mistake twice mm-hmm. to no box office success. <laughs> like, because we'll get X3, to... I'm sorry, keep going. I was going to say, because X3 and Spider-Man 3 and Fantastic Four and Daredevil 
together almost killed this genre for a few years. So it's pretty weird to then call that guy and be like, hey, what you doing? Mess it up again? <laughs> I mean, we've all gone back to a bad ex. <laughs> but yeah, no, that that was I, I think when it's Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix, I, I almost think Apocalypse is a worse made movie, but I think Dark Phoenix is more frustrating because it's almost awesome. There's so many small moments in Dark Phoenix, man, when Cyclops swears about Gene, you're like, oh, this is great. We're on the island with Magneto for a minute. And you're like, this could be good. And then every opportunity they have, they just like, no. <laughs> for me, it's not even about like, whether it's a good or bad movie. It's what gets what really pisses me off is that they made the movie Dark Phoenix about how it affected all the men around her. It wasn't her story. It was still the men's story. And it's like so clear that a man wrote and directed this. It should have been a woman. Um, and it's just like watching, like Jean has just no agency in this movie at all. She's yeah. just like catalyst for these other famous characters to, I, to react. That's my issue with Dark Phoenix. And I, I, I can't tell, uh, although I've seen Sophie and other things, but I can't tell if it's a Sophie thing or if it was a, a direct director's thing with her. But you're right. I had no agency from her whatsoever, but it was her character. So I, I like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't quite. I don't think it's tell. Sophie. I, don't think I it's really Sophie don't. Either. Um, no, I liked her in Apocalypse, but that's again, that's just me. Uh, but really? I, I don't, I don't think it's her. Yeah. No, I, I don't think the casting has ever been the problem. Yeah, I, 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 I could probably have probably used someone else to play Storm in the original two X Men, but that's a that's an entirely different side side. So I just conversation. Um, Angela Bassett was around back then, and that would have been perfect. <laughs> I mean, uh, but overall, yeah, I don't think the casting is too much of, a, of an issue. I think it's sometimes the director. I actually think for Apocalypse, I think Brian Singer might have just been on for too many of these. Like, I think sometimes you just needed a fresh blood and somebody new. That's why I think that one didn't work, and Simon Kimberg just should not be directing these films at all. <laughs> yeah i think that's well that seems to be it's over now <laughs> yeah yeah now we're just bringing people back to shows and making us wonder <laughs> if they're bringing them all back <laughs> or if it's yeah. just going to be a guy named ralph i am interested because we're this is going to be one of those weird hybrids like obviously the, the disney now has the x-men but they also have Deadpool, which is a part of it, who's existed in, in this other form. So it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of play that, that toe that line. And he's the one character that can sort of blend all of that together because he's so meta and breaks the fourth wall. But it's going to be interesting to play that world where how do you bring that R-rated character who they're keeping that one R because that's how he was into a Disney world. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I think they, they know what they have. They're not fools. Disney yeah. has made R-rated movies before under Miramax. Yeah. And it wouldn't be a, you know, they'll do it again. They're going to make a lot of these. They're not going to get a PG-13 Predator movie. You might. You have before. That's a bad example. You're not going to get a <laughs> PG-13 rated alien movie. Yeah. But who knows? But it's, it, it is funny. This was like... I feel like X-Men's a very interesting thing to think about historically now because it did affect so much, but it only stopped recently. Where almost everything else we've talked about 
ended and and influenced everything else where x-men constantly influenced and kept existing through television through movies until the end of 20th century fox uh but you know without it i i don't think the mcu movies would be able to tackle half of what they do i don't think you would have some of these strong moments that are in the deeper movies i think this is what kind of proved that audience would be receptive to it and i think as a result it probably will be the thing that lets disney start being like we can make an r-rated deadpool 3 maybe we can make an r-rated blade maybe moon knight could be in c-17 it won't be (laughs) yeah but it could but i think this is where they have the they have a really big chance here to do a lot of stuff and as long as i get my firebird i will be fine But guys, I think that's our show. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. You can, of course, subscribe and leave a comment and a review on YouTube and on all the podcast areas, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere else. You can follow the show at Hollywood ADI on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, as always, Blake. Jamie's at Jameson Max. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. Jamie is on phase zero at comicbook.com, where she also has several articles and other things that she has written. Uh, Terrence is all the other Hollywood already did it YouTube channel trailer reactions and other movie reviews and we have our other main podcast Hollywood already did it about reboots remakes and sequels and we will see everybody next week later